From the MGMA in-home studios, welcome to the Insights Podcast. I'm Daniel Williams. key words there is transparency and over communicating uh, i think those are the two key elements to making sure that your, your patients are walk away with a true understanding a true sense of what it's going to cost them and uh, more importantly it gives them a way of thinking about how they will be able to pay for treatments and services over a period of time that's claude royster talking about the importance of transparency when discussing payment options with patients. We'll hear more from Claude in just a moment, but first, a word from our sponsors. MDVIP's fee-based wellness program provides a better, more personalized primary care experience for patients and physicians alike. Learn how your group can increase patient satisfaction and loyalty by visiting mdvip.com slash patient loyalty. As a healthcare organization, you routinely check your patient's health, but when was the last time you checked the financial health of your business? Don't let bad billing processes keep you from your hard-earned revenue. CareCloud's free revenue cycle assessment uncovers billing mistakes so you can see how to claim every last dollar. Get your free assessment by visiting carecloud.com slash assessment. Our guest today is Claude Royster. Claude is Vice President and General Manager, Health and Wellness Specialty Markets at CareCredit. Claude, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Now, give our listeners an idea of your healthcare journey. What does that look like? Are we talking personally or professionally? <laughs> well, uh, however you want to answer that, you can just tell us sure. about your journey to where you are now. Um, you know, kind of those stop, those milestone stops along the way. What's been really important to you and helped shape you as a healthcare leader? Absolutely. Um, so I, I started my career 30 years ago, and I, I've spent 30 years in the consumer finance finance uh, industries, um, installment lending, revolving credit cards. So most of my tenure has been spent in this space for uh, in a variety of different managerial um, and executive responsibilities. Uh, most recently, two years ago, I decided uh, to transition over to the health and wellness space uh, one, because I thought it was it, it was time for me to learn more about uh, one of the pillars or enterprises within the, the Synchrony family that I had really never done before and to bring some of the domain that I had from the consumer finance side over to the health and wellness side and, and hopefully um, be able to make an impact in this space. So I've been with Care Credit uh, for two years, um, started in late 2019. And um, again, this is my first, first venture into the um, healthcare industry. And you know, it's, it's been such an exciting journey. Uh, I, I certainly wish that I didn't have to deal with a pandemic right in the midst of starting to learn these businesses, but uh, it, it certainly helped to accelerate my learnings in terms of the overall landscape uh, within the healthcare space. Okay. Thanks for sharing that with us. Now, 
you are currently vice president, general manager of health and wellness specialty markets at Care Credit. So give us an idea of what that entails and, and really where your day-to-day -day focus has been since joining, I guess, about two years ago, like you said. Absolutely. So in my, in my current role, I oversee 30 plus specialized healthcare industries within my sector. I have uh, six sales professionals who report directly to me and they're responsible for leading industry programs, national programs with national large clients, as well as mid-market clients. In terms of my day-to-day, -day, I'm responsible for the profitable growth of our varying um, health and wellness sectors. Uh, I'm constantly looking for ways to expand our healthcare network in terms of looking at industries where there is a sizable addressable market that has a need for patient financing and, and doing some of the analysis to determine whether or not we want to enter into those spaces and what are some of the risks and opportunities uh, associated with that. And then lastly, I work very closely with our uh, strategic partners and clients. And my goal is simply to help them uh, introduce new products, capabilities, and tools to help better their business. If they have needs or they have business challenges, really work and collaborate with them to see if any of the products that we have can help assist in, in addressing their business uh, challenges or solve any of the business problems that they may have. Okay. So you, you brought up something earlier that I, I found really interesting. You came from this consumer facing side of the financial world. Um, now you're in this healthcare space where we keep hearing these terms like the consumerism of healthcare. And I want to get an idea from you of what that transition has been like for you going from that pure, you know, this is a business and this person's a consumer who comes in and, you know, buys a service or a product from us to this healthcare side where it's a melding of, um, like I was saying earlier, it's a patient, but as we're seeing, the more and more we kind of integrate some of those consumer facing aspects to that relationship, it's, it's become a better experience for them. So what has that transition been like for you? Actually, that, that transition has been relatively easy. And, and as, I, as I draw parallels uh, for the consumer and the patient, I ultimately look at what the experience is, what the patient and or consumer journey looks like. Now, obviously on the consumer side, they're, they're, they could be buying a service, but they also could be buying a product or a commodity, if you will. Uh, for the most part, on the on the uh, healthcare side, it, it's it's largely services, treatments, etc. But there is situations, particularly in the HME DME space, where they could be buying product, if you will. But I, I always draw upon the experience. Every customer wants to have a or patient wants to have a good experience, whether that be um, being how they're treated. Is it a friendly staff? Um, are they being responded to expeditiously? Uh, if they left the message to call, are they getting a call back uh, in a timely manner? Uh, looking at the pricing, is, is, is it competitive? Is it, you know, when, you, when you're talking about healthcare, there's a lot of out-of-pocket costs, deductibles, et cetera, that weigh on, on the patient's decision to have care or not to have care. So, um, you know, my responsibility in educating providers is to make sure that they understand 
how our patient financing works and use that as a viable tool to help customers or patients make those decisions uh, regarding their health care needs when they need that. So that's typically what I draw upon when I look at consumers and patients. They, they have similar needs. They're just in different industries. And it's important that whether you're a retailer, whether you are a provider or a doctor in, in, in a doctor's office, you're looking at things also from the lens of the, the patient. Mm -hmm. I want to draw one more question from that consumer side and how it translates to patients again. I, I had an experience this past weekend. My uh, teenage daughter had, had dropped her iPhone and cracked the screen. So we went into the Apple store, the Apple genius uh, folks <laughs> walked us through and they were, you know, they're, they're great. They know their stuff and they're, they're very helpful, but they, you know, gave me, uh, you know, pulled up the, the sticker shock part of it, of what it would be to replace it. And I had a lot of questions for them about, well, what would it be like if we just traded this phone in or did the, you know, trying to get all the different options we could uh, get to before, you know, actually buying a new screen for her. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, there are some options there and then, well, here is what it costs. And so when you're, when you're working with practices and, and, you know, developing financing and different issues for patients, what is that like? Are you able to make parallels there from what you did on that consumer side to the patient? I mean, give us an idea of how you've been able to transition that and really use some of those best practices that you might see at an Apple Genius Bar or some other retail type store to where you can really integrate that into the healthcare setting? That's a great question. And uh, yes, we, we've actually, you know, we, we certainly look across the enterprise and, and take best practices from our, our, our retail partners, our, our clients, and try to adopt those in the health and wellness space. Examples of that are, um, you know, contactless applications. Um, you know, we're, we're in an environment today where, you know, COVID has affected uh, everyone's um, need to be uh, safe. Um, safety comes first. So we've all scrambled to try to figure out ways to uh, make things more frictionless and seamless for, for the patient. And part of that is the check-in process. Part of that is if they were interested in an application. Uh, we've created tools that are right at the fingertips of the patient so they can apply for applications on their cell phone or on their own devices uh, in the comfort of their car, at home, or wherever they may be to, to determine whether or not they uh, qualify for a care credit uh, credit card. The other thing that we've done to try to, even, even before that, um, as, as our providers have conversations with patients around treatments and we start getting into the financial conversation, we've created uh, payment calculators. We have uh, training materials that we provide to our providers that thoroughly explain how promotions work. Um, and we, we offer promotions. That's one of our value props. So when you have a patient who has a treatment that's going to cost them $500 out of pocket, they know how much it's going to cost them over a period of time. They will have an understanding of how a promotion works, a deferred interest promotion. So they will have a thorough understanding that if they pay it off within that period of time, 
they have basically borrowed our money for free, for example, for six months. So we try to provide our, our patients and our providers with the comfort of understanding how promotional financing works, how easy it is to use. Uh, and by the way, once you get that card, you can use it across our 250,000 um, pro providers across our network. So you get more utility out of that card, not just in the place that you open it, but also throughout our network. Mm -hmm. it, it really boils down in, in a lot of ways, Claude, to communication, right? Because if you, if you have that expectation set up front, this is what it costs. And that was the case with me and that new screen on, the, on my daughter's iPhone. I didn't like necessarily the amount that it um, was, was shown to me, but they set the expectation. This is what it is. And if you can have that in that dialogue, that very clear, transparent communication, that goes a long way in building the trust. Um, what, what would you like to add to that or how would you shape that idea? I, I, think you, I think you said it very well. And I think the two key words there is transparency and over communicating. Uh, I think those are the two key elements to making sure that your, your patients are walk away with a true understanding, a true sense of what it's going to cost them. And I, more importantly, it gives them a way of thinking about how they will be able to pay for treatments or services over a period of time. So um, transparency and effectively communicating so that it's very clear and concise are the, the two most important things that those patients need to understand when it comes to patient finance. Mm -hmm. You and I met recently, uh, we worked together on a free webinar for MGMA where you presented mm -hmm. and I moderated that. Uh, the, the webinar was titled remove friction points in the patient experience to enhance satisfaction in clinical outcomes. That's a lot of what we've been getting at here. I did want to let our listeners know that that webinar, it, it is available on demand. It offers uh, continuing education credits. You can access it at mgma.com slash store. Uh, I will provide a direct link in our podcast show notes for anybody who's interested in going to that uh, free webinar online and on demand. But I, for people who haven't had the opportunity already to experience that or uh, go out to that yet, what's a major takeaway or a talking point you'd like to share with people about that program? Sure. I think the most important point and takeaway is for all providers, it's important to listen and respond to the feedback from, from their patients and develop a strategy or a plan that will address both positive and negative uh, positive and negative feedback. Um, you know, having that feedback loop is just so critical because you you know your your patients have access to other patients through social media, through various uh, other uh, networks where people go and look for information as they're doing research on procedures, doctors, providers, locations, et cetera. So it's critical that um, providers look at that information and look at the feedback that a, a patient is giving them and respond appropriately. Uh, there's no right or wrong. It's you know having that empathy for patients who did have a negative experience and taking that and understanding some of the key words that are being used 
uh, will help you to address and uh, come up with processes that are going to allow for a better patient experience. Okay. Um, you used the term there, feedback loop, and give us an idea of what that means in a medical practice, or maybe you can walk us through. Uh, you were given an example of a, a patient who might give you some negative feedback. What do you do with that information? And what does that feedback loop look like where you can take a negative and make it a positive? Sure. I think there's, there's, there's a couple of different ways to, to uh, establish a feedback loop. The easiest way, obviously, is asking um, before a patient leaves or immediately following up with that patient on the care how are they feeling? Um, I, I've had personal experiences with the dentist where um, I had wisdom teeth pulled at a, at a later age and they followed up to make sure I was feeling okay. What a great experience. You know, they made me feel comfortable with the procedure, walked me through exactly what was going to happen, but then they followed up to make sure that I wasn't having any adversarial effects to any of the pain medicines or anything like that. To me, that's just an overall great patient experience. Um, now, Conversely, you can have a negative experience and you can, you can certainly respond back to a social media type negative feedback loop, or you can call the patient and, and, and really empathize and understand exactly what their concerns or pain points were and try to help rectify them. And, and you know, let them know that you obviously you understand and you will try to make sure that those things don't happen, not only to that patient, but any other patients that may come through your doors. So I think having that feedback loop, whether it is verbally talking or speaking with the patient or having an email type or a social media type exchange with the patient, um, you can turn those negatives into a positive by how you respond, uh, understanding the words they're using, empathizing with them, and providing assurances that you're taking their messages uh, very seriously and you're going to work to constantly look at improving the patient experience. Yeah. Um, what are some best practices then for a medical group to make sure they're doing things the right way with that feedback loop? Do you offer them or suggest tools or a template or a script or anything along those lines or uh, just a checklist even so you make sure you don't forget to follow up and like the dentist did for you and make that follow-up call to make sure you're doing okay. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's, there's plenty of technology out there that you can, you can leverage to create that feedback loop, whether it's on the front end where you're doing the appointment setting all the way on the back end where you're just doing follow-up care. Um, so, you know, there are different, you know, a lot of providers will work with third parties to build out a communication platform where patients can freely provide their feedback um, and that can go directly back to the provider as opposed to going out to some of the more general media sites like Yelp or, uh, or Google or so, something like that. So, you know, having your own patient provide uh, communication platform certainly helps because you get that feedback directly. There's also, um, you know, in advance of, uh, if you think about some of the um, technology that's out there, you can, you, can, you can also leverage social media if that's a means where it's a platform that touches a large patient constituency. You can certainly look to pull information from the social media uh, content to, to get that information. And then there's peri periodic post checks. You can do surveys, um, reaching out to your patients to, 
talk to them about their experiences, um, you know, if you even even ideas that can help the patient experience. Uh, people will freely give you that feedback if, if, if you're interested in uh, learning more about what the patient wants and or needs. And then there's obviously texting and, um, you know, obviously one of the more, more personal ways is you pick up the phone and you, you try to have a conversation with that patient, which makes it a little bit more personal um, and may open up a better dialogue in terms of getting some of that candid feedback from the patient. Mm-hmm. Those are some great solutions. Those are some great steps to take. Um, I want to take a step back then. What are some of those biggest friction points? Is it not following through and utilizing those things? I mean, what are the friction points that you've seen both, you know, with consumers or now um, in your new role uh, with patients? Uh, where, where is that friction? And uh, give us an idea of maybe two or three of those biggest friction points. Yeah, there's, there's, um, there's, there's several. Uh, I think you could start with, you know, we call it the three C's. So communication is obviously um, one of the more critical um, paths, uh, just ensuring that patients have accessibility. Do you, you know, while your, your office may be open from nine to five, is there a communication loop where they can access you 24 seven or get information on you know, their records or what have you. So, you know, that, that's, that's one friction point is just having that accessibility, um, being able to schedule an appointment. In many cases, you're calling an appointment center, but if they're busy, they may have you go to a, a recording, leaving your information, and then they may have to call you back. So uh, how quickly you respond back to that could be a positive and or a negative experience to, to that patient. And then, you know, on the back end, if you have patients who have had treatment and service and um, they want a more convenient means of being able to make payment arrangements, um, you know, in many cases, they don't want to call and establish a, a payment over the phone. They would rather just, can I just, can you send me to a URL where I can actually go in and put my information in and then pay my bill online? So all of those are examples of, you know, you have different customers have different degrees of tolerance, but those are some of the common friction points that uh, patients have come to expect, particularly in an environment where things are becoming more contactless. Um, and, you know, there's more do it yourself. So the more the customer can freely interact without all of that friction, the better experience they're going to have. Mm -hmm. Are you finding as you, continue to, you know, build out these better patient experiences is the goal you were talking about how different patients have, have different, I guess, contact points, you know, and, and you, you like that contactless uh, experience there where you can send them or get them to go to an app, get them to go to a website, something like that, where they can click on uh, the information and access it that way. You're going to find some patients who maybe don't want to do that or they're used to uh, meeting in person or getting it in the mail and filling out a form uh, that's actually on paper. Um, what's the education like then where you can get, I guess, the vast majority of your patients where they are going to that platform or to that website 
where you can get that in a very automated way where it makes it more efficient, more streamlined, uh, more simplistic uh, process for everybody, both the staff and, and ultimately for the patient as well. Sure. I, you know, obviously, if, if, you know, having access to patient uh, emails and being able to email them on the latest technology, that's, that's probably one of the cheaper, more simpler ways to be able to um, create awareness for patients and, and be able to physically show them just how simple the process is. So uh, that would be the easiest channel. It's very difficult to do that over the phone um, or uh, you know, in some cases, it becomes very costly if you're having to mail out that type of literature to patients. So leveraging, again, leveraging social media and or if you do have access to patients' emails and you can um, mass distribute that type of information to them to show them what the patient experience was and what it will be by utilizing these new technologies, will go a long way towards getting that adoption from the patient and again, creating a better patient experience. Okay, last question then, um, once you do have that effective platform or software in place, where are you going next? What are the KPIs? What's the data analysis that you're focused on to make sure that things are working? Um, and if anything is not where you want it to be, where you can begin to make those tweaks and those adjustments to it at that point? Yeah, so um, you know, obviously the the ratings are are critical. They they speak they speak volumes. You know, in most small systems, it's a one through five star rating. So you, you want to look at all those ratings. You know, you, you certainly can't have all fives because it doesn't feel authentic. You you could, but um, you know, at some point there, the people will look at that suspiciously if all there's all fives for everything but um you certainly want to take a look at all of the different ratings and and, and I, the other piece of that is looking for some of the keywords within those ratings so for example if you had someone who had a three rating um but they they they, they talked about the long hold times or having to sit in the practice lobby for 45 minutes before they were able to see the doctor you could see some of those keywords that are, are really just showcasing what the pain points are. Conversely, you, you could have a five-star rating that um, talks specifically about the friendly staff or what a great experience. They walked me through the entire process, made me feel very comfortable. So there's keywords out there that you can pick up on within that um, th those reviews that you can certainly try to reinforce or in the case of, you know, if they're not so good, doesn't necessarily mean that the overall experience wasn't good for the patient, but there may be things within that journey for the patient that a provider needs to work on to ensure that those three ratings become four ratings and or five ratings. Okay. Well, Claude, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today and for sharing these insights with us. Thank you for having me again. I really appreciate the opportunity. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Insights. Thanks to our guest, Claude Royster. You can hear his webinar on avoiding patient friction points at mgma.com slash store in searching for care credit 
or follow a direct link in the podcast show notes. Also, thanks to MDVIP and to CareCloud for sponsoring this week's show. CareCloud's free revenue cycle assessment uncovers billing mistakes so you can see how to claim every last dollar. Get your free assessment by visiting carecloud.com slash assessment. An MDVIP's fee-based wellness program provides a better, more personalized primary care experience for patients and physicians alike. Learn how your group can increase patient satisfaction and loyalty by visiting mdvip.com slash patient loyalty. If you like the show, please rate and review it wherever you get your podcast. If you have topics you'd like us to cover or experts you'd like us to interview, email us at podcast at mgma.com or find me on Twitter at MGMA Daniel. MGMA Insights is presented by Declan McGee, Rob Ketchum, and I'm Daniel Williams. Stay safe and thanks for listening. Hi, this is Declan McGee, one of the producers for the MGMA Insights podcast. If you like the work we're doing, please consider becoming an MGMA member. Learn more at mgma.com slash membership. Thanks.